Hello, Locked On Guardians listeners. Doing this back-to-back. I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen free and available today on all podcasting platforms, apps, and services. Wherever you get podcasts, you can get us for free every day. Well, it's the off-season, so three days a week, we are there for you. And hey, wherever you get us, why don't you leave a review? That really helps the show grow. Uh, Again, I'll just say download daily. That's the other thing. Those are your two tasks. That's what I ask with this show. I, if you missed the first episode of the week, it explains the difference in sound quality. I, you know, I'm assuming most people listen, but if you did not listen, um, my father is very ill, and I'm driving back home to say goodbye. So that is the situation which is happening. Uh, if you want more details, again, go listen to Monday. Uh, we're going to dive right into this, because I only got through three positions, and barely three positions on this series that I'm doing, which is looking at the Indians, kind of looking at what there is now, what upgrades could be available, a sleeper, and who is there to look at in the future, uh, five years from now, at the position. Now, this is all off the top of my head. Uh, Again, I can can go back and listen to Mondays. It explains that, but since I have to record these while driving, I'm staring ahead. I am not distracted or looking at data while I do this. I am paying attention to the road as I talk to myself. So I can only use what's on in my head. So this is purely me with no support, no help, no anything. This is just top of my head speech, my own internal knowledge. Uh, and as I mentioned, we talked about the catcher first base and second base position. So we will lead off with the all important position of shortstop. Now we know the Indians place high, high value on this position. It is interesting that in the minors, they have been all about the defense first at this position. And then in the majors, they have a slightly below average defender there, uh, if we're being honest. And Med Rosario, it's also interesting because he is on the same timeline in terms of free agency as uh, Ian Happ would be, if the Indians got him in a trade, and also uh, Jose Ramirez. Both, all these guys have two years left on their current deals and or arbitrations. Rosario last year was about a league average bat. He would have hot stretches and down stretches, and it was a good year, but with him being a shortstop, his overall value, I believe, was under two war with fan graphs because defensively, he was a negative at the position. It's not to say that he was terrible, but he was not very good there either. Uh, going from Lindor to Rosario was a drop. Now, I talked about this before, that if you put Jimenez there, based on the data we had in the strike shortened season, he, Jimenez was a stronger defender, whose bat had been uh, slightly better in 2020 than Lindor's. So what do I think is going to happen here? Again, we have Rosario, who is, you know, he is what he is. I don't think when you have a guy who's this, you know, had this many years in the big leagues, this many reps, I don't think you can expect a sudden change. I don't think we can expect him to all of a sudden blossom. I mean, there are a few underlying indicators that show maybe... And again, he debuted very young, so he is a player with that. So it is unlikely, but possible. He's not a player where you can just shut the book on, I think. And I don't know if there is that degree of fear. Uh, And honestly, it's like, in terms of Rosario, if he breaks out, how much more is his trade value in July? Now, if he is the same guy he was, how much lower is his trade value in July? I don't think his trade value gets lower. I think he would have to really bomb for that to happen. There is a chance. And right now, you know, trade value, it's relative. We talked about if he was traded to the Mets, for instance, to play second base. Was it the Mets? No, because I wouldn't trade him back to the Mets. I'm trying to remember the deal where I recently shipped him off to someone uh, to get, you know, multiple pieces back. 
Is it really the Mets? It's something like Dom's. What? Well, I can't remember where I shipped him recently. But there was a deal where he had him. Maybe it was the Ash, the Yankees. That was it. it was the Yankees for Luke Voigt and, um, uh, like, not Torah. Maybe it was Torah. No, it was uh, Gallo and Voigt. There we go. I got there. So Gallo and Voigt for Rosario. Like, sign me up tomorrow for that one. That's, that's two big upgrades. Uh, even with Gallo walking at the end of the year. But... You know, he does have that trade value. If he, if some of the underlying data is true and he does, like, break out, uh, his his trade value jumps a lot. So I, I kind of get waiting to the deadline, but really I don't expect him. I mean, if this team is contending, maybe then you just ride it out and then look, consider the offseason because you have so much infield depth. Uh, it depends on how big the breakout is and how much you believe in it. But remember, he's only here for this and next season, so... Right now, I, you know, I, there is part of me that wonders if they're waiting to see where the shortstop musical chairs ends and then making that trade for a team that could use one like the Yankees potentially. Uh, but right now, we have to operate with him as their likely shortstop. Him as I think is the likely number two. Uh, future, I'm still high on Gabriel Arias, and I think they are too. I know there's a lot of talk about potentially trading him, especially with like, you know, guys like Rokio. I talked about at the second, uh, the future of second base, Ty Freeman. Uh, these players coming up. Arias is the best defender of the list, or Arias, I should say, uh, is the best defender of all the shortstops in system. What he has done across each level is uh, pretty amazing when you look at his age relative to level. I mean, he skipped double A. Don't forget that. He's one, about a year older than Rokio. Most of what Rokio did this year was in high A. Now, Rokio was amazing in double A when he got up. But when you look the other side of that, then you got, you know, what Gabriel Arias did in triple A all year without, you know, first time in the minors. That's, And he got better as the year went, and he's the best defender, and he's got legitimate plus power potential. Um, you know, there are some gaps in his game, but there's star potential written all over him, and I, he was the center of that Clevenger trade. I, I, I've said that since day one. He is the centerpiece, and was the centerpiece for the Indians when they made that move. Uh, that was the shortstop of the future. They went out and got him in that moment. Uh, we'll see if we see him this year, but I don't think they have any interest in trading him. I, I know there's discussion, again, because of all of the shortstop, and, like, what's the point of sending him back down to AAA? Uh, but I think until they move on from Rosario, he's kind of stuck there. Sleeper. I mean, can there be a, you know, shortstop sleeper? I, I talked about Jose Vermeed for second base uh, in this system slash organization. Um, you know, just I'm just trying to think about like okay recent draft picks like because you, you kind of have to go there it's like oh Carson Tucker didn't have the best year with health you think internationally it's like who across the levels is maybe you know not getting you know there, there's all the big names the guys like uh, Angel Martinez and the like that they signed for those big contracts can I just cheat and make this for mean again just because he's lower down the list and played some second base and some shortstop he's more utility I, I'm going to. I don't have a great answer because we know all these guys. Like, is it Jose Tenya? I mean, maybe one can, but he's on the 40-man, and he just had that scorching AFL. I, I don't know uh, what you necessarily put there, but that is that is our shortstop preview. I would take a quick break here, come back, and talk third base. Uh, you're going to get to hear if I think Jose Ramirez is with this team in five years or not, so definitely stay tuned for that. And our sponsor is BuiltBar.com. You know I love Built Bar. If you've listened to, like, 
five episodes of the show, you've likely heard me talk about Bilt Bar on at least one to two of them. And you know that pretty much from the day Bilt Bar became one of our sponsors, it is a product I spend my own money on. They sent us a starter box, the, tra- the taste was free, now I'm hooked. Why am I hooked? It is delicious. It is the best tasting protein bar I have ever had. And they do that while being incredibly healthy. You sit there and you get a bar with under 10 grams of sugar while getting 15 to 18 grams of protein. Your caloric intake is, uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's like under 300 a bar, I wanna say. Long story short, it's good for you. It's delicious. What more do you need? Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and remember, if they have a bar that's already on sale, that 15% goes on top of their discount. You can double up discounts and use the promo code LOCKED15. Do us a favor by using it, do yourself a favor by using it and getting the best protein bar money can buy. Okay, third base. So obviously Jose Ramirez, I don't really need to discuss that. Uh, In terms of like upgrade, no. I mean, unless you're going to, who are the upgrades? Like who are legitimately better at third base than Jose Ramirez right now? It's not a big list, you know, if it is a list at all. And honestly, I would say that he is right now the best third baseman in baseball. That is my statement. Uh, Braves fans, go ahead and get mad and leave a one-star review telling me how Austin Riley is better. Uh, That has happened, for those who did not know. We did get that occurring over on the iTunes. Uh, In terms of the future of the position, I already talked about Nolan Jones, likely moving to first. Uh, Part of me has thought at points that Gabriel Arias, even though he's the best defender at short, he's also the strongest arm, that maybe he's a third baseman long-term there, that that could be a position in terms of uh, where he ends up if they decide to keep someone like Jimenez at short, if he can prove himself and kind of bounce back to where he was in 2020. Uh, Those are very much possibilities. Because we know the Indians also like continuity. So, like, if someone like Jimenez were to step up and take over that position... He might just stay there, uh, even if they have other options. Continuity matters to this organization. So who else do we got? Who else must we talk about in terms of the Cleveland Indians and third base? Who is the future? Who's going to be... Do we think it's going to be Jose Ramirez in five years? Who? Uh, I still think no. And the reason I still think no is, you know, they might sign a contract, but I feel like... Okay, so right now... He is heading into, you know, his his 30s. You know, there's potential for opt-outs in any contract. I guarantee you he will have opt-outs probably around his age 33 or 34 year. Uh, And if he is performing well, he's going to want to opt-out and get a bigger contract. And there's no way they're going to pay him in his mid-30s big money. So I am going to bet no. I still think there's a chance for an extension, but I still think any extension is likely to come with an opt-out with a good chance that if he opts out further into his 30s, the Indians say... Uh, we can't uh, we can't pay someone in their 30s, you know, tens of millions of dollars. So that's that's me hedging my bet. Okay, that's me cheating here. Uh, if it's not him, then who do we think takes over? Who is kind of the third baseman of the future? Now, there's not you know Nolan Jones is the third baseman, quote unquote, in the system. We discussed how I think he's more of a first baseman, probably long term for the Indians. Uh, in terms of third base, it is we're probably considering one of these infielders um, who needs to to shift. You know, if we already got, uh, you know, maybe it's, maybe I should say Rokio here and Ty Freeman at second. I think most people know I am uh, not as high on Freeman as most just because I worry about his profile. It is a, you know, the long, 
long story short, you can go listen to the podcast where I've talked about this multiple times, but hit first guys are not, not for me. And hit first without any real secondary skill. I mean, maybe Ty Freeman will prove me wrong. He's proved me wrong at every step through the minors. I didn't love that as a draft pick. I believe in my redraft, I had Trevor Steffen there. So, you know, maybe I'll be wrong again, as I have been with Freeman. But it's just, it's, it's you know, I compared Freeman and Francisco Mejia, and they have kind of similar profiles where it's all about batting average and the strength of your offensive production has to be based on your ability to get bloop singles and get the ball on play and high bat pips. And the minors are a great sign of future success because they're uh, high contact rates. But you have to have secondary skills to kind of build off that. And Freeman doesn't have power. He doesn't have a walk rate. He's uh, limited as a defender. So, I mean, he wouldn't be a third baseman. But I, I, right now, just looking at this team, I'm going to put Jose Tenya as the third baseman in the future. I think he's got the arm and everything to handle it. They obviously like him. If you're out there like, what about Jonski Noel? Uh, you know, I'm leaning more towards him as the the DH of the future. Um, maybe he's the first baseman. And he kind of enters this debate as well. Uh, I don't think he, he's a third baseman. I don't think he's there. Um, uh, like I said, probably more DH for me long term for John Ski Noel. John Kenzie, I should say, Noel. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna say Tenya there right now. Um, just in terms of who they have in the grouping and who I kind of think is more likely to be able to have the arm to handle the position. I know, now I've got all these people mad at me. I, I know. I, I understand that uh, my Freeman takes are very hot and very few agree with me. And you're probably out there being like, he's number one prospect on this list. I don't care. That is fair. That is everyone's assessment. Um, I long ago learned to stop looking at lists. As, uh, everyone does great work. I really respect all of my colleagues in the field. I think everyone is fantastic. But groupthink enters way, way, way too much. And, um, you know, I have to... I spend a lot of time looking at where I failed in the past and where I've been successful and trying to grow and learn and get better at this. And Freeman's profile is just one that scares scares me to death. Uh, so that's that. Now, moving back, let's move to center field. You have Miles Straw. I believe they still have him. In five years, he's your center fielder. Uh, just look right now at what teams want. How many teams need a center fielder? What a trade that was by the Indians. Trading a, you know, a player who would need to... Yonder Diaz would need to be added to the 40-man. I don't think he was added by Houston either, but... Uh, there's a chance that he'd be taken. He is a probably a first-base DH, not a catcher, even though that's what he was. He's a sleeper prospect. He would have been a sleeper type for me when we're talking about that on this. He's an interesting prospect. I get why the Astros like him. He's also a guy who you just leave a catcher and let him keep hitting in the minors, and it could elevate his trade value as well. Like He's a guy that you, you buy low, and then next year his value could be significantly higher. So there's that. So Diaz is uh, went out, and then, you know, Mayton hadn't been able to establish himself consistently. Now, he wasn't used a whole lot. He didn't seem to have Tito's confidence, so there is that. But he did not establish. So to get Miles Straw in center field with all the teams that need center field help, and with the market having nothing left, and just the world being what it is in terms of center field options, uh, it is ugly for a team trying to find a center fielder right now. That was a phenomenal deal the Indians made. Even if Straw regresses and becomes like the 
you know, high 80s, runs create a plus, a below league average bat for the most part. Uh, with his defense, you are totally fine with that. And he is a top defender at that position in baseball. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer without power is potentially a comp. So there we are at center field. Uh, I don't have to do a player of the future because he is the guy who will be there in five years. He has that much control. I think you just kind of don't worry about that. Uh, the natural, I think, center fielder up would probably be Petey Halpin. Uh, if you're going to look five years right after that, I think he's the center fielder I have the most faith in, uh, staying in the position and playing well there. Sleeper. Sleeper in center field. Is it Alex Call, potentially? Uh, I don't know if he's going to get taken in the Rule 5. I don't know what his future really holds, if he's even going to be someone who, I think at some point he gets a cup of coffee in the big leagues, but he's a small school guy who just keeps playing well and hitting and performing, and he's made it impossible for himself to be completely written off, and when you go and you look at that uh, top-level performers of players who played center field, he was in the top 20 last year in the upper minors, so there's your deep sleeper. We're going to take a commercial break, we'll come back and talk about the corners, and we'll talk about the DH position. BetOnline.ag, our good friends over at BetOnline.ag, they have been with us for just shy of a year now, and if you are someone who likes to gamble, that is your place to go. Why? Because they have you covered no matter your sport, no matter, even if you're, I don't know why you would listen to this podcast and not like sports, Uh, maybe you're a member of my family, but if you didn't like sports, you can bet on, uh, you can go and do casino games, you can do poker, you can do, you can bet on politics, anything you can imagine. You're going to want to go check out the brand new website and interface, download the app, go to their newly designed website over at betonline.ag. They have you covered, and when you go, you want to use the promo code Locked On because that's going to get you a 5-0, 50% bonus on your first deposit. Who doesn't want 50% more on what they put in? Go to BetOnline today. Check it out for yourselves. That is BetOnline.ag. Remember that promo code is LOCKED15. So corner outfield. How do we feel about the Indians at the corner outfield right now heading into next year? Uh, I mean, can you feel all that great? I mean, it's... Fran Mill Reyes is getting reps in Winter League. Um, you've got uh, Zimmer and Mercado still on roster. How much do you believe in Steve Kwan? You know, a lot of this is, is kind of there. Like, how much do you think Kwan and Jones could potentially be outfielders? How much can they help? Those are your, probably your best internal options. Uh, we're hoping they'll get active in the trade market. You know, Jess Winkler's name keeps coming up. He is on the same free agent path as Jose Ramirez and Ian Happ and um, Ahmed Rosario. They're all two years out. problem with Winkler is uh, his, he needs a platoon partner talked about like the Nolan Jones of it all I mean Nolan, Jess Winkler might be the like high-end outcome for uh, Nolan Jones where he is just monstrous against one side and then really bad against the other like Jess Winkler he, he would never he would probably be pissed and wouldn't want to stay with your organization if he had to platoon but he should uh, his numbers would be so much better if he only faced half the platoon because it's it's a significant split there uh, he is also a very bad defender so there are those two things uh, that kind of limit him in terms of acquiring. Uh, Ian Happ is kind of, like I said, he's the interesting acquisition in terms of his history with Chris Valeka, the Indians' new hitting coach, Valeka. Uh, you know, 
that we know that he worked with him a lot previously, so there is that. Uh, you know, there's Mullins and there's Reynolds, but are they willing to pay that price? Are they willing to go and pay high amounts of money for, well, not money, I should say, high prospect costs to get those two players? When, you know, they both, it's not like, Reynolds was really good in 19. 20 is a weird year, but he was really bad in 20. 21, he was great. What is he? You know, where, how comfortable do you feel? Mullins was, uh, you know, he's a very interesting under-the-radar prospect. I had a buddy who uh, completely has fallen off the map. Uh, Adam, I hope you're well. Maybe you're listening to this. But Adam uh, did some prospect writing, and I think, I'm not going to say what team I'm pretty sure he's with now. But he went and joined a team and uh, destroyed all the social needs. But before that, uh, he had been with the Orioles. And I remember being like, so what do you got on him? And he's like, well, I don't want to, you know, he, he had just a general view that I respect about not uh, not leaking information. But he's just like, we believe in him, we like him. And he was an interesting player because when he got to and had that big breakout in A, he was not someone who was on my radar at all. Um, at the same time, you know, I kind of... I feel like him and Trey Mancini were both on that uh, double-A, gosh, why am I blanking on their double-A affiliate right now? It's like, no, the Squirrels are uh, the Giants. Uh, I was like, what are the teams I used to hate when they came to town because it was a really bad prospect team? It was a bunch of, like, retreads who used to play with the Arrows, like, two years ago. Uh, The Flying Squirrels were one, um, but it was not them. This was a different team, and I'm just having a, a moment. But I want to say he was even, like, back in the day of Trey Mancini on that team. Now, Trey Mancini, another interesting trade candidate. Would the Orioles trade him? I mean, he's he's just kind of his own thing uh, because of what he's had to overcome and what he means to that city and that organization and everything else. Uh, he is also, I believe, just two years left. Um, so there's a logic to it. Uh, you know, I, I would love to see that. Uh, I, think, I think a trade is smart, especially if you can go, like, three or four for one. And you can clear two 40-man spots, and then, like I said, maybe trade two guys that you'd have to debate in a year. Uh, You really have to start looking at that who's going to have to be added next year list as much as who's on it now, because it just, it gets worse in a year. So looking at that, being forward-thinking is important uh, in general. So that's that's one of the things that come to mind. Under the radar, guys, I talked about the Marlins just last week and why I like quite a few of the players there, why I think Garrett Cooper is really interesting, uh, Jesus Sanchez, uh, you know, we talked Griffin Conine in passing and why I don't think he's that interesting, but the, you know Brian Anderson, uh, there, there's some names to be had, some guys a little bit, maybe not as big of a name, especially because I mean, the more you hear, the more it seems that they are likely to look for more outfield help, which means, I said again, if Garrett Cooper stays healthy, that guy's been in an elite end of production when healthy uh that's the big what if with him so it's it's kind of the usual names it's like what what outfielder have we not discussed who's legitimately available by now i think we've talked about them all there's not much left and again i'll just point out for as much as there's this tendency to be like oh well this guy can't handle short let's move to third they struggle at third let's move to the outfield anyone can play outfield just want to point out that outfielders went off the market as quickly as starting pitching because those are hard positions to fill. Outfield is not an easy position to fill anymore. This is not the 90s. This is not the bats everywhere. And outfielders are not uh, quite the renewable resource they once were. And, I mean, I can go back to that list of 
top Indians outfielders by war drafted since 2000. Uh, it, it's a pretty, you know, Luke Scott is still number one on that list. Uh, that's It's not a strong list. Ryan Church, I believe, is still number two. Uh, you're talking Ben Francisco's. You're talking Bradley Zimmer. You're talking Tyler Naquin. That might be the five names on that list, honestly. But it's uh, it's been ugly for them. And we'll see if it changes. Now, future in the outfield, you have to feel like George Valera is one with what he has done, the way he's moved up the system, and just his overall production. Uh, I know he's spent a lot of time in center. I think, like most, I expect him to end up in a corner long term. I think that is the smart thinking. And then with the other outfield spot, in five years, if they still have Miles Straw, I mean, I, I'm a big believer in P.D. Halpin. You know, maybe Steve Kwan is going to be able to just sit down and really take over that spot. Uh, you know, maybe Nolan Jones gets a shot out there and is able to stick in outfield long term. There, you know, there are a lot of interesting internal choices, a lot of players. I think, you know, I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to say Richie Palacios and George Valera. I'm going to think that Palacios has done so many things, again, you know, bloodlines, athleticism, the missed time and what he did after missed time coming from a small program is unheard of. Uh, sometimes he's a little discounted because, I mean, the, the best part of his season was the first half, but I, it's natural for a guy to slow down a little bit maybe after not having really played in two years. I think that's something to not be overlooked. So, yeah, those, those are my corner outfielders of the future. Sleepers. Uh, you know, it's... That, that does get interesting. Like, who who qualifies as a sleeper now? Like, is it, like, maybe Isaiah Green, who's a little bit forgotten about from that uh, Lindor trade? You know, an interesting guy, bat-first type, who, uh, you know, was, like, the fourth piece, I think, in that deal, potentially. I mean, maybe that's an interesting sleeper. Really good athletic tools. And he was a second-round pick who was paid, like, a third-round pick. Remember, he got less money in the same draft than P.D. Halpin, even though he went higher, because the Mets were conserving... Uh, bonus money for other players that's that's kind of how they operated so he's he's an interesting guy i feel like probably someone that uh people don't think about quite as much more thinking about the uh you know it's like the outfield mix to me it's it's pd halpin it's richie palacios it's steve kwan it's george valera those are like the, the really interesting high-end guys for me right now so that's that's kind of the grouping so isaiah green my sleeper uh, moving to DH, we have Fran Mill. I don't think you really look to uh, upgrade there. The only question becomes, like, can Fran Mill play more in the outfield? And if Fran Mill can move into the outfield, if you're okay, and again, this is a team that played Domingo Santana in the outfield, I think Fran Mill can carry that level of defensive value, which is not high. Uh, I mean, they put Mike Freeman and uh, Michael Martinez out there at points. I, I think Fran Mill can... Uh, can be somewhere around there. I mean, he's got more experience than any of those people had. The question always come down to, I mean, there's been talk the past few years about his staying in shape. He's a big guy. Will he come to camp in great shape or not after a lockout? That is the big concern. Uh, if, you know, he's going to hit. If he's healthy, he'll hit 40 home runs. That's just a matter of time. Future, I think it's Jonsky Noel. Uh, what he did this past year was eye-opening. So much so they protected him, even though no player who played first or third base who had not yet played in double A or higher had been selected in the last decade plus of the Rule 5. 
what he did was so eye, you know, eye brow raising, so you know, made you pay attention that they did. They went out and protected him, even though he seemed incredibly unlikely to be protected. Even though they had someone like Joey Cantillo, that seems like a very good chance to be lost in the draft. They didn't want to risk Noel, so that that says a lot there. I think he is kind of the future at that position. Uh, sleeper, who's the guy who just hits? See, this is where I, I would love to like just kind of stare at a box score and like go through not box scores, but just like the level statistics. Go through and be like, oh, here's an interesting name. Here's a guy who you're not talking about who just seems to hit and hit and hit, uh, but does not get the high acclaim as some of the other players. Uh, going through, just thinking about this organization in general. So this might be cheating, but uh, if he hits, I feel like. Ty Freeman is the sleeper for DH. And that's the reason he's a sleeper there is no one considers him a future DH because he doesn't have power. Now, at the same time, you just want your best hitter. Like, it doesn't matter. And if you're looking at this Indians team and you're looking at that core group of, like, Tenya, Rocchio, uh, Andres Jimenez, uh, Arias, the worst defender, the lowest upside as a defender in that group is Freeman. So if you're going to put the best defensive team on the field, if you're going to look at someone who's hit tool could allow them to be an unusual DH. Uh, I think it's Ty Freeman. And I don't think he's necessarily a bad defender. I think he's probably a 50-55, but I feel like most of those guys I mentioned have the potential to be somewhere between 60 to 70 at the position. So he's just a step below them. He is still someone who would be totally able to play that for uh, many organizations. For the Indians, I think there's some wiggle room there. So that is our profile. Uh, Now, sleepers and the like, all extemporaneous, all top of my head. Uh, tell me what you think. Remember to rate and review download daily. That helps our show to grow. I've been Jeff Ellis. I want to thank you again for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen. Free and available today, wherever it is you get podcasts. And as we say, go, go, Guardians, go.